Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the BJJ Foxcast. I am your host, Alex Martinez, and today I am really excited to have the world traveler, Scott Burr, on the show. Uh, Scott is an author of several books, including uh, Worth Defending by Richard Bressler and um, Opening the Closed Guard um, with uh, Robert Drysdale, and uh, among others, uh, he is a second-degree black belt under Steve Maxwell and founder of Enclave Jiu-Jitsu. Um, Steve, or Steve, <laughs> Scott, welcome to the show, brother. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Tell me about your recent travels, dude. You were in California? Yeah, th this was a, this was a funny trip. I was like, uh, I had this, uh, okay, Here, let's go all the way back to the beginning. Yeah. I have a 2003 Honda Element, which as far as I'm concerned is like one of the greatest cars ever. Yeah. I, I love that thing. Okay. And I had a little tow behind camper that I was super psyched on, a little fiberglass thing. Yeah. And uh, my mechanic, who's also one of my jujitsu students, he this year he was like, "Look, man, this thing can't tow anymore. Like <laughs> mechanically, it's good, but <laughs> the road salt in in Ohio <clears throat> where I live uh, just eats, you know, eats cars. Yeah. And he's like, "It's a twenty year old car. It's probably time to uh, to figure out what to do." And so I was like. Well, all I really want is another one of these. So we looked all over the place <laughs> and we found a, uh, a 2011, which was the last year they made them in um, Sedona. And I was like, okay, so fly out with me and look over the car and then we'll drive to LA and we'll hook up with Howder and we'll try to hook up with Hickson. And yeah. we'll, because we'll, he'd never been to you know, the whole LA jujitsu scene. Right. So. Yeah. So that that's how that that's how they So yeah, we like uh, yeah, Chris was nice Chris and Melissa were nice enough to let me let us crash in their back uh like cabin. Yeah. And uh we hung out for for a little bit. Awesome. Yeah, he he had to fly back to get back to work, but I was out there and now I got now I'm driving back east. With, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So so it worked out. I mean kind of a, kind of a cool little trip, right? Yeah. I mean it's it, it's been really really cool. Like yeah. Yeah. A yeah. bunch of time with Chris, some time with Hickson, um and then Got to reconnect with a bunch of LA friends and and just yeah I got to meet a bunch actually there were a bunch of guys in town um, sort of hubbing out of uh, Chris's to do privates with Hickson that I had sort of seen or crossed paths with yeah. briefly and I actually got to spend a bunch of time with them like Michael Michael Casey and Joe Mendoza and Chris Burns and I got to actually hang out with those guys and, and it was really like really cool to hang out with them it was like we had a really like. It was it was really nice. I, I kind of feel like we, we all kind of like became fast friends and we just hung out a bunch. So that's it cool. was great. Yeah. yeah. Did you grow up in Ohio? I did. Okay. okay. And, and and what's your connection with uh, with the West Coast and, and Hickson and those guys? Just Hickson. I mean, just Hickson like, was the whole reason to, to go out there. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. I when we started when we connected with him, we started just flying out to go train train with him and um, became friends with Howder sort of around that and um yeah yeah trouble more yeah because um when when uh, chris was on the uh, podcast um he was talking about um going back and training with hickson yeah and um you know just learning the feel that 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 hickson has and and um i thought that was really interesting that a guy you know six degree black belt still goes back to an old coach you know what i mean and, sure. and just and just learns because it's a never-ending process right no, yeah not only is it a never-ending process but i i feel like and and it's something that I I've been thinking about a lot as I've um, spent spending this time with Chris. Um, you know, Chris is for a guy, and Richard is the same thing. Where it's you have a guy who's a six degree black belt. He's one of the highest ranking Americans in this art, and the humi like the genuine humility, yeah, and the genuine like, no, I'm a student. I'm another dude on the mat. I'm still trying to figure this out. I there's no arrogance around the knowledge. There's a there's obviously there's obviously a regard for the knowledge, yeah. but he's just like no, I, I I need and Chris to be around that to see that model has been a real gift hanging out with Chris. You know, it's, he's really a genuinely a guy who like, you know, hang out in his garage on a Sunday open mat, and he, everybody comes in. Some purple belt will come in who's a student of somebody else. They'll do something, and he'll be like, okay, wait, what'd you do? Show me that. Okay, that's cool. Okay, what is this? You know, wow. just no no ego about it at all. Yeah. Um in in a really I mean, I, I don't know that I'd be able to do, I mean, it's yeah. Like not everybody can do that when they have that the weight of that belt on them and Chris is like whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I I really got that from him uh just just interviewing the guy. Mm -hmm. Like he's a very genuine 
open person. And yeah. um, he almost seemed as nervous as I was to be on the show. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like, I was super nervous to get him on. But, um, yeah, just, you know, once we loosened up, he starts talking about the fifth dimension and... Right. And, and, yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. all kinds of stuff. <laughs> so, so um, I want to I talk about... Uh, well, let's kind of let's circle back and, and close the loop on the... Um, your, your, um, the, the, the reason you went to California was to, was to record with Hickson, right? Uh, going to California this time was... Yeah, like, it, it, I've done a couple of... I've had... I've had the profound privilege of recording um, a couple of times with him. Like oh, the, nice! The past few times, I was I was out uh, last summer and we filmed some stuff for his site, and then I was there again in the fall, and then coming out again, I was able to get to get together with him again. So it's kind of been like anytime I'm I'm out there, I'm I'm trying to trying to get together with him, and and uh, if he's got a use for me, like make sure I'm available for that. Yeah, that's cool. Um, and so that was definitely in the, in the back of my mind. Um, when we were like, you know, it's like, okay, we find a car in Sedona. I'm like, okay. And then we're going to drive to <laughs> LA. Right. <laughs> Cause we're just going to show up and you know, yeah, he's going to have to tell us to, to go away, to leave. <laughs> <laughs> we're just going to hang out. It was like that. Uh, what was it? Uh, Burns was just comparing it to that scene in fight club. Where they like they have to stand on the doorstep. Oh for yeah, three days. <laughs> for three I'm gonna, days. <laughs> I'm gonna go back inside and I'm gonna get a shovel. <laughs> you know, it's a little bit like that. Yeah. No, that's cool, man. That's cool. So, um, so you're 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 working on a book with uh, with Chris Howder. Yes. And uh, so having him on the show, he's got a lot of great stories mm-hmm. and a lot of great tangents. Mm-hmm. Tell me about the process. Like, you know, when you're living your life, right? Regardless of like. You know, you may think, okay, this is a historic moment, right? Or maybe not. You just kind of live your life, right? right? And then all of a sudden, a guy comes up to you, a Scott Burr comes up to you and says, dude, we got to put your life on paper. Yeah. Oh, shit, I never journaled, right? <laughs> How, what's that process like? How do you get somebody to remember, like, all of the stuff that they did? What's that process like? Well, so Chris Chris approached me about this. Okay. Um, Chris had been, uh, there's the famous sort of, um, elusive Chris Howder graphic novel mm. that people have maybe heard about that he's he's working you know there was a video that came out maybe six seven years ago where he was talking about this this graphic novel he's writing about sort of a post-apocalyptic renaissance where people are rediscovering knowledge from before this cataclysm and um, and so within that he's been he's been writing for for quite a while um, and with kind of the, the idea, I think that he's going to write a book of his story mm. um, because his story is, is bigger and crazier than ju- the American jujitsu part, which is also big and crazy. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a big, crazy story. Um, and so within that, he, he has writing that he's done. Um, I think he, he's, he sent me everything he'd written. He'd, he'd written something like mm, 30,000, 35,000 words, something like that, which is, which is a decent, decent chunk of writing. It's like yeah. maybe a hundred, 150 pages. Um, and, but it's, it's, it's broken up. It's fragmented. It's notes. Some of it is, uh, longer essays. Some of it is just paragraphs and a lot of it, actually a lot of it, as you might expect with him pertains to, uh, traveling yeah. to teach seminars. Yeah. Um, and, and some of the, the childhood and the adolescent and all, all those parts weren't as written out, even though there were some some um, chunks and he basically arrived at a point where he said um you know i am I'm, I'm too add to do this i'm not going to get mm. this done and i at that point had, he he approached me this was like last summer i was heading out there and right before i headed out he sent me a text he was like how do i you know what would it look like if we worked on this book together yeah and um at this point i had done i had i had edited and helped uh, drysdale put out his book and then i i had co-authored and and we'd put out richard's book and then i'd done uh two others co-authored two other books uh one about the patent system which was crazy yeah and the then, shark in the blood and blood in the water blood in the water yeah yeah i'm, I'm gonna order that one today it's it's yeah it's, it's, yeah, it's a new <laughs> it's a good read but it's you will, it's discouraging. Yeah. The patent system is a mess. Wow. Um, and then another one, uh, Confessions of a Hollywood Trainer with yep. John Petrelli, which just came out. And he was like, so, you know, you can, you, you're the guy who can help me put, put this together. And so basically he sent me everything he had. And then we basically got together. Um, 
and I don't want to, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to give too much away with, right. the, with the book, but, and, but we talk about this in the book. Basically I would, we were staying up in Highland park. I would drive down every day. I'd sit in the middle of the mat at the combat base garage with my, you know, computer recording the audio and he would walk around me in a circle <laughs> for hours. That's exactly what I envisioned. It was, <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> what like I envisioned. The most Chris Howder yeah. version of this. And starting with, yeah, starting with his childhood growing up and all the way through to, to, uh, through basically, uh, feeling like, you know, his, his current feeling like democracy is coming apart and, <laughs> and all of the, everything in between. <clears throat> yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and, and in contrast, what was Richard Bressler like to work with? Um, you know, the interesting thing about Richard, and I'm sure you got this talking to him, he absolutely believes in the, the vital importance of, of jujitsu and what the, what the Gracies did for him and what, um, what the art has to offer people. Mm. But he, getting him to recognize the value of his own story was a bigger challenge than I, than I would have imagined. I wow. mean, he, he is a really profoundly humble guy. And, uh, you know, so to get him to sort of go into his own story and his own evolution, that was more of our conversation because a, a lot of his story I could get from other interviews or podcasts. We, we would go over it. Um, but, you know, that, that story, okay, when did he meet Horian? How did they meet? Mm. How did he, you know, what was it like? when Hoyce came loaning him loaning Hori and the money to start the Academy, loaning yeah. the money for the UFC, all, all those parts that's, you know, people ask about that on podcasts and you yeah. can find that information, but the stuff about, you know, where were you at in your life? What did this do for you uh, on a personal level? And then those other elements, the, the, the sort of healing himself emotionally, yeah. um, healing it, uh, starting to, to really come to, to value himself as a teacher. And that, that process was, um, it, it, it wasn't a challenge to get him to talk about it, but it was, that was the bulk of our conversation was trying to have that conversation around yeah. that. Yeah. So, and, and, and where do, where do you think that comes from? I mean, obviously like you, 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 you mentioned the word humility and, and it comes through, it comes through in the book big time and it came through in the podcast, mm -hmm. like unbelievably when he was talking about, um, <clears throat> you know, without a layoff, basically, you know, doing jujitsu consistently for 17 years and still not a black belt. Yeah. yeah. The, there's got to be some humility in there as well. Right. Yeah. And, but I wonder like, there's got to also be like some kind of drive, like no one is going to stop me kind of, kind of feel right. Mm -hmm. And, and that's something that's deep down in Richard and it comes through in the book. If you read it and you study what, he, because you can tell I, I studied it. Right. Yeah. If you, if you really study what he talked about, what you guys wrote about, um, it comes through. He's a tough dude. Yeah. He's a very tough dude, yeah, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. for sure. <clears throat> for sure. Um, and uh, yeah, it's an interesting question because I think part of it is, you know, they always say like, um, it's, it's about the journey, not about the destination. Mm. And very clearly. And I think, I think you're going to, you're going to agree with me when I say this. It's like the, 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 the reward for Richard was getting to be in this context where he was, interacting with students he he's providing something valuable they value him he gets to give to them and he's in that exchange um he, he's a guy who just clearly loves teaching jujitsu yeah. and so well 17 years yeah 17 years without getting a promoted to black belt i don't feel like the black belt was the big reward right. for him yep right whereas you know plenty of people Plenty of people you we know in, in all martial arts, you get a black belt and it's kind of like, well, the fire goes out. And the fire for him, he's, he's 70 years old. The fire hasn't gone out. Right. Every day he wants to go teach this class. He wants to go see the students. He wants to share this art. Yeah. And so the um, I think, uh, yeah, I think that that's 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 the real thing about him is just the, the love of the art and the love of the that teaching relationship he gets to have with students. Yeah. And, I mean, you've been around – a lot of the like, more like <clears throat> you've been around the history of it quite mm -hmm. a bit. Mm -hmm. I mean, your instructor was what was he 50 when you met him? Yeah. What was he? He was in his early mid fifties. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. he'd been around a little while. Yep. And you're, 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 you're exposed to, to Richard and to, you know, other people. Mm -hmm. What, 
what what do they all have in common? What what is that common thread that the older guys have that what what keeps them going? What keeps them showing up and throwing on a gi and sweating it out on the mats? That's a good question. <laughs> um, what do they have in common? <clears throat> yeah, there's got to be a common thread, right? For those guys, six degree black belts, and you know, just like I don't know, there's something about they, they, there's got to be something in common there. I think going back to to what I was just saying about Richard, mm-hmm. I think that, and probably going back to what I just said about like a lot of people kind of quitting after they get a black belt in, mm. in different martial arts. When your own um, aggrandizement is the goal, when you think that you're, um, you know, when when it's about the ego rewards, mm. um, when you stop getting those ego rewards or you get the final ego reward that you thought you were going to get, and maybe it isn't as big an ego reward as you think it's going to mm. be. You know, I've, I've met... I've had students who, you know, you, you promote them to that belt that they wanted so bad. And then afterward, there's this little bit of a, a funk. There's a little mm. bit of a, they don't, they don't know what's wrong, but it, they don't, they feel the same. I'm the same guy. Yeah. I thought I'd be a purple belt. I thought I'd be <laughs> a brown belt. I yeah. thought I'd feel like that thing. Yeah. And so the people, I think the people who stick with it are the people who either that's not what it was about for them or they get through that and they realize the rewards of, of connecting with, with students and connecting with this community and sharing with this community yeah, yeah. and con- connecting with this, this, this history, this being, being part of this thing yeah. is the, is the reward. And it's not really, you, you have the first edition of this, of the book. Yeah. Um, and we published a second edition and in the second edition, I wrote a forward in which I say something, um, something to the effect of I think it's normal when you're young and and Chris and I were actually just talking about this, that when you're young, you sort of see yourself as the star of the world's movie Mm. a lot of times. And within that, within that movie, Oh, you, you know, you have your struggle and then you have your victory and you get your black belt and whatever. Yeah. And that as you get older, you have the opportunity a lot of times to realize that, um, something else is the star of the movie and you get to be a part of that. Yeah. That jujitsu maybe is the star of the movie yeah. and I get the privilege of contributing to the, that in whatever capacity I have the privilege of contributing. And I think if, if there's one thing that is, that has been uh, the same in, in some, in those old school guys, it's been the, that the focus is in how they are giving to this thing that they're not the point anymore. Gotcha. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense, man. And and there's, there's just so few of them. That's yeah. why I'm so curious, right? Yeah. Um. So, stupid question, mm. okay? But I got to ask it. What's it like when you meet somebody and they're holding your book in their hand? <laughs> what was it like the first time you saw that? What does that What does that feel like? Um, you know, I. So I I have like. I have like two dreams, right? And one of them is to walk onto a plane and see somebody reading a book that I wrote and getting get to like ask them without them knowing who I am. Oh, how is that? I've heard about that. How, yeah. Is that any good? Yeah. Um, it, it, it's, again, related to the previous point, one of the things that I, so this is going to be a long answer. That's okay. To a yeah. short question. Yeah. But one of the things that I, I was, I was a failed writer for a really long time. I'm, I'm not a super successful writer at this point, but I'm a more successful writer than I've ever been. Mm. And when I look back at those years and my attitude, I see the way in which my mentality was, I worked really hard on this. I think it's good by the standards that I understand are the standards for what makes something good. Mm-hmm. The world should recognize it. Yeah. And it took me an embarrassingly long time to realize that that's just not how it works. And the reason it doesn't work like that is because <clears throat> people don't read things because you are owed their attention or affirmation. People read things because they get something from it. Yeah. 
I don't read a book to learn about you. I read a book to learn about myself. Yeah. And if you can articulate something that I've experienced in a way that I was unable to articulate it, you've given me something for myself that I can then use to understand myself better and maybe articulate myself better in the world. That's why I read. That's why you read. That's why everybody reads. Yeah. And <clears throat> the idea that I would read somebody's book, <clears throat> excuse me, just to give them an ego reward, it, I wouldn't do it and I shouldn't expect other people to do it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so the process of writing these books. And so I, I think my, my thinking started to shift in a helpful way, you know, let's call it in my early to mid thirties, yeah. which is again, embarrassingly late to grow up. <laughs> um, but, but by the time I got to, to Richard's book and I had the opportunity to work on these different projects, I very much had an understanding around the fact that this is not for me. This mm. is for, this is for you. This is, I, I better be writing with you in mind. You, e even if I want to express myself, expressing myself has to be 49% of my drive. Yeah. 51% I need to be thinking about what you're going to get from it and why, why, why you would give me your time and energy in exchange for what, what am I giving you in exchange yeah. for, for your time and energy? And so when I see the reviews of, you know, this uh. book, uh, Richard's book and, and, uh, Petrelli's book and Kip's book and, and these, these and Drysdale's book where people said, man, this was really, this really spoke to me particularly, I mean, particularly Richard's, Richard's book and the Petrelli book, the confessions of a Hollywood trainer. Yeah. Very much about people who were headed down maybe a path that was not so good and turned their life around and, and learn some really valuable lessons that they want to share with people. The response to those books has been powerful. People yeah. have really gotten uh i mean according to what they've said they've gotten a lot out of these books and that is a is a profoundly rewarding experience to, yeah to see that, that that this has contributed something positive to somebody else's life yeah um and so i mean in answer to your question what's it like to see somebody holding your book let's let's talk about somebody reviewing your book and saying this meant so much to me mm, right yeah. that that is a that is a uh a, a it's a very rewarding experience yeah. Um, yeah. to know that you were able to, because I mean, we've all been in, you know, we've had, we've had low points mm -hmm. and to be somebody who has given somebody something in a low point is a, is a, a real, a real, it's a privilege and it's a real gift. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that's, I mean, I'm hoping that that's what, what these books are doing for people and it seems like they are a little bit well they they absolutely are and i'll, I'll, I'll give you like my history with that book mm -hmm. <clears throat> i bought it in december of uh 20, 2020 and i tore through it in like a week and a half i mean i tore through it and that may seem slow to a reader such as yourself but for me i have half half read books all over the house <laughs> so i i went cover to cover and it right it just drew me in mm -hmm. and i was like Gosh, and, and one of the things that really stuck with me is I'm an aging grappler, man. I'm 50 years old, mm -hmm. right? So I always think about like I am a, I'm an academy and I'm an academy owner, and you know I have all these students. Like, what's my role? Yeah. You know what I mean? I can't train with a 25 year old effectively anymore, mm -hmm. right? Um, but what I can offer, and that's what, something that Richard said, I can be the best coach they've ever had. Mm -hmm. I can study my ass off. I can hone the skills. I can study every little detail as best I can and teach that to the young guy who doesn't have the time to do that or the inclination, right? They just mm -hmm. want to roll. They mm -hmm. just want to train, right? right? So I can be the best coach I can be, right? Yeah. And that's something like, it gave me so much hope. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I can still do this, right? I can still do this effectively at at my age, you know, I still, I still train. I still train, yeah. you know, almost every day. Um, but if there's going to come a time when we're, we all get told, right, we can't do this anymore. Right. right? And what's going to be your legacy? My legacy is going to be teaching. That's mm -hmm. what I want it to mm -hmm. be. Um, but I, 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 so anyway, I read through it and I thought when I finished, I was like, God, I wish I could just pick this guy's brain just an hour. Uh -huh. That's all I want is an hour. And two years, almost to the day, I think I bought that book on December 20th and he was on the podcast on December 23rd. Wow. Two years later. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, because I, I went back and, I, you know, just out of curiosity, I went on Amazon, I checked when I bought it. I'm like, yeah. holy shit, almost <laughs> to the day. And now I get you on the show. <laughs> right. So I can pick your brain too, man. This is, I, I'm telling you, I'm I'm humbled that you're here, man. It's really cool. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. Man. Yeah, man. Um, So 
anyway, so we were we let, let's talk a little bit about uh, jujitsu because my my white belts that listen will kill me if I don't talk about jujitsu. All right. So, um, what's your origin with jujitsu? You did other martial arts, right? I did. I did a um, <clears throat> I did a Korean style called Kuksul Do. Um, you know, I was teenager, angry, all those things. Wanted to learn how to fight, and yeah. the school in in my town uh, was this. It was a the Kuksul Do. Academy and uh, I had a friend who trained there and he's like come come train to this come come check this out And basically I went to one class and then just like was there for every class after that. Yeah, and went through that um, curriculum got my black belt in that and Went uh, went away to college and kind of kept training would come back in the summers and train and then when I graduated and came home um, It was right when the ultimate fighter hit Okay. And so everybody at the academy had kind of like turned a corner yeah. and they were like, no, because we, everybody, we, it was, a, it was a really cool, I mean, as evidenced by, by what I'm about to tell you, but like, it was a really cool academy where everybody really respected the tradition. They really loved the art itself. They wanted to be really good at the art and preserve the art, but also practical fighting skills yeah. to the extent that that was compatible with the core curriculum of Kuxeldo, which, which is, you know, it's another art that's a little bit formalized to the point of being inapplicable. Yeah. Um, and so when the ultimate fighter came out, they're like, this is, this is what's up. And you know, you get that window and how these guys are training, what they're training and all these things. And basically the head instructor that, uh, my buddy, Jason Sokrachek, um, he was like, dude, we're going to, we're going to start bringing in Muay Thai. We're going to start bringing in jujitsu. That's, wow. that's it. And we we're like, Okay, great. Hell awesome. yeah. Let's do that. Um, and so at that point, we sort of, there were sort of two programs sort of coexisting in this one space. And then eventually, as as myself and, and a couple other people sort of got more and more into moving away from the traditional Kuksul. Like I was at a point where the head of the Kuksul Federation was saying, okay, I want you to start testing for a second degree and open up a Kuksul Academy. And I kind of had the decision to make between like, so I was like, I remember very distinctly thinking I would much rather have a blue belt in jujitsu than a second degree black belt in Kuxeldo. Wow. I was like, okay, that's the point where yep. it's pretty clear Decision what I made. wanted to yeah. do. And so we, Jason actually rented out a second unit right next door in the, in the light industrial complex. He put in a cage, he put in heavy bags, he did the whole thing. And he was bringing in these instructors. Uh, he had a kickboxing instructor named Ryan Madigan, who was a ranked kickboxer at one point, And a uh, um, uh, jujitsu instructor named Darren Branch who is uh, Jessica Eyes, jiu-jitsu oh, yeah. coach now. Yeah. Um, who's, he's a Hoyler black belt now. He was, a, he was a blue belt back then. We were all like, you know, low-ranking low guys back then. And uh, we started doing a lot of MMA. Um, we had a boxing coach. We did all those things. And then as time went on and I fell more and more in love with, with traditional Gracie jiu-jitsu um, and the student body kind of shifted that way too, um, we sort of, actually, I remember, <laughs> I could probably blame it on like Brock Lesnar if I really wanted to, <laughs> but there was a moment where we all kind of went like, I don't know if MMA is where I want to be anymore. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. so we, did you ever train with Brock or was it something no, that you saw no, him on no, TV? No. You're like, like, screw this. Yeah. It was, it was that thing where it's like, there was an era where it was like, um, Leo Machida, Anderson Silva, BJ Penn, George St. Pierre. Yep. It was like, all those guys were like high level athletes, respectful guys. Mm. Um, and it was that era, that kind of brief era where in order for the sport to be legitimized in the, in the public eye, we were pitching the sport as a sport. Yeah. Um, full of highly conditioned, highly intelligent athletes. Yep. And so rich Franklin was the poster child cause he was a math teacher yep. and he was, and then you had all these guys and then the UFC, it felt like made a decision where they were like, okay, we've done, we've established legitimacy. Now it's about the spectacle. Oh, gotcha. To get eyeballs on it. Yeah. And you know they brought Brock in, and gave him a title shot pretty fast. Yep. It seemed like, and then um, it brought in all these these fans that uh, it was a different different kind of culture around yeah. MMA. And so we were like, okay, maybe this maybe MMA is not where we're at spiritually yeah maybe jujitsu is more and we you know we were falling in love with with the art and yeah it's like okay we're gonna focus on gi jujitsu and the, the master text and and we'd be we sort of we took the cage out we 
made one big mad at area, became a jujitsu school. That's a that's a tough done. decision to make. Because I, I mean yeah, I guess. Yeah, that's 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 a big commitment. And, and <clears throat> I run a purely jujitsu school, so yeah. I love your decision. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a tough decision to make, man. Yeah, it it wasn't that tough because we didn't have that many people who really liked getting punched in the face. Gotcha. That's good. <laughs> that's that's, that's good. That's say. a good demo like, right there. It's not it's not that hard a decision to make when most of your students are like, Yeah, I'm not gonna come to the kickboxing class. I'm gonna come to the yeah. jujitsu not get punched in the face class. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um so you have the jujitsu academy open. Are you teaching at this point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. So in the in the beginning it was kinda like we had uh, Darren and Ryan were teaching they were each teaching one day a week and then I was sort of teaching like catch all class, like basic yep. MMA classes. I could teach some kicks and punches. I could teach some ground positions. And then sort of like, as I, as I learn more and their schedules changed and interest, student interest changed and waned and stuff. Eventually I, I took over kind of the run, the, the whole, that side of the, the business. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. And, um, how, so as what's your what's your philosophy on on um, on coaching towards um, you know the the um, obviously we all we all love that it's a mar- that th- we all love the martial art but there's a sport aspect and mm-hmm. there's a there's a self defense ish aspect to it yeah. right so I hate to say ish there's a self defense aspect to this what what do you what do you key on if somebody's brand new mm-hmm. right do you key on more self defense stuff or do you you know is it more sport what do you what do you like to teach well I'm I'm a, a more fundamental fundamental self-defense yep. guy okay um, okay i mean and steve steve was very much even though steve was a, a very successful competitor yeah. he came up under he came up under everybody he, mm. he i think he got his he got his blue belt from horian he got his purple belt from horian he got his brown belt from hoist and horian and then he got his black belt from helson wow and so that that you know you and he came up as a you know he was the first the way i initially heard richard's name actually was because steve was telling me when I went through the instructor certification at the academy, the guy who really helped me was Richard. Richard knew all the self-defense front wow. and back, how yeah. Horian wanted to teach it, how Horian wanted it done. And so that that foundation um, from those guys, and then obviously Helson is known as the self-defense yep. guy. Yep. Um, the, the street fight guy. So um, that, was a, that was a big part of the sort of the culture that, that we had created with Steve and then in, in our academy, yeah, yeah. And is the, is the academy still open now? No. Okay. Okay. What no. what happened with that? Uh, I voluntarily closed it in okay. 2019, end of 2019. I was feeling a little burned out, is uh, to put it lightly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, um, it's interesting because actually, I I talk about it a, a bit in the forward to to the second edition of Richard's book, and then I. I, I I talk about it uh, more extensively in Howder's book. Okay, um, but basically, I you know I I was feeling pretty frustrated and pretty pretty burned out, and decide uh, you know I, I I told Jason I was like I, I think I'm done teaching for a little while. I I need to I need to hear a voice that's not my own. Mm. I need to hear somebody else telling you know I'm 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 tired of yeah. <laughs> being the guy with the answers. Um, and so I said, you know, do do you want to find somebody else to run? And he's like, no, nah, we'll just close it. So they closed that side, and then, um, and then COVID hit. Yeah, which closed all the closed all the gyms for some never reopened, right? Yeah. And um, when that started to lift, Jason, who's also a Steve uh, Black Belt, um, started up a, a another issue that we sort of had, and I've sort of I've spent a lot of time thinking about this because obviously our own story is super interesting to ourselves, (laughs) um, is that the culture in the gym, we called that side of the business was called the fight gym. And it started starting as an MMA gym. It, it always had, we were, we never really defined the, the culture in there. Mm. Um, and I sort of tried to, but it was kind of like, because we already had a history as an MMA gym and the way we did things, it was sort of like we never we never got a clean slate when we started as a jujitsu school. Gotcha. Somehow, energetically, it just never felt like a full refresh. Yeah. And um, when I was closing, you know, I, I sort of I, I announced it three months shy of the closure, 
to give everybody time to to find a new home or whatever, yeah. you know, not just close the door and good luck. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, at one point I said to Jason, I was like, got toward the end of like the fight gym being open. I was like, dude, the, you know what? Like the, you're, a, you're a Steve Black belt now, right? He had, he had gotten promoted a couple of years after me. I was like, you're a Steve Black belt. You, you have the black belt that's, um, you know, that, that people, people want, right? Mm-hmm. They want to learn jujitsu. Yeah. They want to learn from a black belt. Um, you're super personable. You're, you're super, um, you're a great teacher. You are energized by teaching in a way that I'm not, I'm, I'm a little bit drained from the, the, I, I love teaching. I love going down wormholes with people, yeah. you know, just figuring stuff out. Yeah. But the, the public interfacing is not really my superpower gotcha. Gotcha. and his yep. is. And I was like, you know, you could run a very traditional, like Valencia Brothers style, like, especially in, in our town and not have this like weird, hard ass, tough guy baggage mm. and just start fresh. And, uh, that's what he's doing now and his program's blown up. And so it's, it's <laughs> awesome. It. Yeah. That's so cool, man. He's yeah. He's doing all kinds of cool stuff over there. So that's, so the fight gym's gone, but basically in that same location, there's a, there's a new jujitsu program that's got a much more, uh, User friendly, yeah, <laughs> interface, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so y- you wanted to be, y- you wanted to have somebody else's um, uh, um, a voice in your ear. Who, who is that? Who did you turn to? Who's that voice? Hickson. Hickson. Yep. Yeah. How often do you train with Hickson? Um, it depends on the year. Um, but I mean, it's like I'm I'm traveling out from Ohio, so it's like a couple few times a year. Yeah. I see him. Which I mean, anybody who trains with Hickson, it's kind of like you know that you could take like what, what you cover in an hour is you go take it for like four months yeah, and then come back and he'll look at all the ways you screwed it up (laughs) (laughs) and then fix that. And you could go take that for four more months. So that's what I was, that's what I've kind of been doing. Wow. Is, is he open to do that with just anybody or is that something you like you kind of hit him up and say, Hey, I'd like to do this program at the time. Um, when I first met him, I kind of had to bug him Mm. to, to do it. Um, but now I see that, you know, like on his Instagram, you'll see him posting that, yeah, you can reach out and there's, there's an application process if you want to do a private lesson with him and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, it is, it, it, he is available for it. I don't know how, you know, how many, out, out of how many applications he, he takes or whatever. Yeah. And what was it about you? What, what, uh, I mean, you, you had a, you had a history with him, right? And that's kind of why he, he brought you in. Is that, is that how that worked? To do the filming? Yeah. Well, no, just to, just to train with him. Well, no. So I, um, it, it, it was really, um, it was kind of, it was, it was kind of a, a crazy experience. Um, and I don't know if it looks crazy from the outside, but I, <laughs> I basically spent, um, so 20, <laughs> here's a long answer to a short question. That's cool. Um, <clears throat> 2017, I, 2017 for a couple of reasons I feel like I I aged about five years in one year in 2017 (laughs) because I I did a couple of things simultaneously that were really exhausting so I'd been training with judo 2017 was the big push to get my black belt in judo so I was training a lot of judo which if you know judo it's that's that will beat you up yeah that's hard on the body um I was also dealing with a lot of bureaucracy with judo because Bureaucracy, judo has a very uh, established sort of bureaucracy around it. Mm. And that was very uh, draining in, a, in its own way. I was also building our house. Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> kind of by myself. <laughs> Which, so it was a really crazy story. And I, um, spoiler alert, this is, this is, some of this is going to be in Chris's book. I basically, my, this is a, do you want to hear a crazy story? Yeah. So my girlfriend and I had been living in the same apartment in our town for seven years. And for five of those years, we didn't have a lease. The landlord, we just knew the landlord. He was just like, whatever, you guys right are on. cool. So we were just there. And at the four and a half year mark of that period, he kind of went, uh, guys like the bank or whoever, I don't know. I think it was his wife wanted his, he's like, you guys need to sign a lease. Yeah. And I was you know, 34 going on 35 look and, uh, feeling like what am I doing with my life? Yeah. Um, you know, hadn't, hadn't really written any books that did anything yet. It'd been, you know, kicking the, like going hard at jujitsu, going hard at writing, 
feeling like I was sort of somewhere, but not really anywhere. Just that middle, I don't know, I guess it's midlife crisis-ish stuff. <laughs> I know the feeling. <laughs> and um, we basically, I basically said, look, I will, s Jen and I sat down, my girlfriend and I sat down, and I said, look, I'll sign, an, I'll sign a one-year lease, but at the end of this lease, we are going to do something else. Mm. We are going to use this year to make a plan for what the next thing is going to be. Cause I'm not going to just sign this lease and then realize, Oh my God, another year of my life went by. Yeah. Um, I guess I'll sign another and then just have that rest of my life go off in chunks like that. Yeah. And so we said, what are we going to do? And we had kicked around these ideas of, of doing like a tiny home and, and stuff like this. And, um, we had, we had kicked around the idea of building a yurt. Um, and what's a yurt? A yurt is a, it's a Mongolian, uh, semi-permanent structure. It's made of a, of a, of a lattice, uh, that creates the sidewall and yeah. then, uh, joists, uh, or ceiling, uh, yeah, ceiling joists, joists that make up the, the roof and they come to a central point. It's almost like if you took a teepee and then just cut it off vertical. Okay. Um, and you know, you see them, you see them around, yeah. um, a little bit on like tiny home shows. People have seen them. People yeah. are always like, Oh, I've seen those on tiny home shows. <laughs> um, and our friends had just bought some property and Jen, I think it was that Jen had at some point sort of, our, our friends had bought this property and it was all this property and they're like, this is great. You know, you guys should come live on it. And we're like, oh yeah, well, maybe we'll build a yurt on your property. And they're like, yeah, <laughs> do that. And it was all just chit chat at a party. Yeah. And then we, we said we got this lease and I was like, okay, we're going to do something else. And we're like, well, what if we, what if we actually did what we said? What if we got a, a, a yurt and we built it on their property? And so I was like, okay, you need to go call our friend and see if, they uh, are actually serious about doing that. Yeah. And I will see if I can find a yurt. And the deal we came up with was if we can find a used <laughs> yurt for four grand, yeah. um, we'll do it. You don't, you don't get to say no. You don't get to pull out. If you find one for four grand, you have to just do it. Yeah. But they sell for like 10 new. It's like, oh. So I basically set a price where there's no possible way I'm going to find this. And within two weeks we had found it. Get out. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, literally I found it online and Jen was like, you know, Oh, what are we going to do? And I was like, I don't think we have a choice. I think like, I think something's bad will happen to us if we don't do this. This is the like, universe talking right yeah. now. Yeah. So it was in Tennessee. We bought it. We sent four grand to these people we didn't know <laughs> and we flew down and it was like a whole debacle with these snowstorms and stuff yeah but we rented a u-haul threw it all in the back of a u-haul because it breaks down oh okay i mean it's designed to be put on the back of a cart and hauled by a by a yak you know it's a it's a nomadic <laughs> people's dwelling yeah and um ours is not semi-permanent ours is permanent yeah basically um and so we we brought it back and I spent the next year, we got it back in like early January, 2017. And I spent the next year basically building it. Yeah. Um, not the, it, putting the yurt itself up took a day, but building the platform and then building out the interior because it's, it's all yeah. finished inside that all. So anyway, the point is, you know, that took a lot out of me. Yeah. Um, and then I, there were a couple other things like grandpa was sick. There's a bunch of other stuff. But we reached a point, we also spent the month of May that year in Europe with Steve. Wow. Steve had, Steve had, had, had this seminar tour lined up, and I had traveled with Steve to other places to do seminars, but this was sort of the longest Steve adventure. And so we went, it was, it was really cool. We went to, uh, we were in, we were in uh, Sardinia, then we went through Venice and Rome, and we went to Croatia and he taught a uh, instructor certification, a, a, a pro trainer certification. Mm. Uh, went up and taught at a big fitness summit in Munich, and then down to uh, his like he does these um, training for a lifetime and jujitsu for a lifetime camps um, in Ikaria. Yeah, so we were there, and um, it was it was a, an amazing trip and really really. And I don't I don't want to make it sound like it wasn't, but it was completely exhausted it sounds exhausting to be like yeah and to be you know because steve was steve was in his um what it was the mid-60s at this point and at a certain point i had started coming along to be like uh the bad cop 
Mm. and the person who could physically do all the things you know that Steve had done in his prime yeah because I'm I'm now I'm 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 the the body or whatever right and that's a very stressful thing to walk into a room of of sort of like trainers who are like who the fuck are you yeah and then you got to like perform or you got to go like go tap that black belt or do whatever yeah and it, it it, I do. I found it very, very, very stressful. And by the end of it, and al- along with, with a lot of other frustrations, back home in teaching at the fight gym. So oh, by the time we got to the end of that camp, that trip, yeah, I kind of went like, I don't want to. I never want to have a conversation about a push up again. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to. I am so over all like literally i just remember sitting there and being like didn't i used to enjoy this yeah like didn't this used to be fun didn't i used to get inspired to do this and jen basically said to me like well what i mean what let's go to ground zero what does still what would inspire you and i was like if you told me that i could go train with hickson that would inspire me yeah i I would go train with hickson and that would i don't care what uh, any, I don't care what Gordon Ryan says about jujitsu. I don't care about this. I don't care about th- anything. I just, that's the only thing I really would, that's the only thing that moves the needle wow. right now. Yeah. And Jen was like, well, how do you do that? I was like, well, you don't. He's, <laughs> he's Salinger. He's no, you can't find him. Yeah. And, and she was like, well, I mean, you might as well Google it and see if you can find anything about it. And so I, you know, it's like, okay, whatever. Hicks and Gracie seminar 2017. And they had just announced the Hicks and Gracie cup in Albany mm. that fall. Um, and he was going to teach a, a seminar the night before, uh, the Friday night before. It's like, Oh, okay. Wow. I, so I can, I can meet Hicks and go to the seminar. Uh, it's like two days before my 35th birthday. or was the day before it was wild. And he, the video of it is on, on YouTube. And he like he pulled me out of the crowd and for like eight, nine minutes, I'm like doing stuff with him in, in guard. He's talking to this positions. It's like, and I, I mean, to me, it was like, okay, um, great. High water mark of yeah. my jujitsu life. Yeah. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. And like, like literally <laughs> one of the guys I was with, I've said, told the story before, but literally like the guy, a guy I was with came up to me afterward and was like, that was pretty, that was pretty nuts. Like, <laughs> how do you feel? And I said to him, um, I don't know, but I think if I say anything about it, I'm going to start crying. Wow. And it was like, I, I just, it was really powerful for me. And, but we got, went up to him afterwards to get our picture taken. And I was like, okay, how do I train with you more? And he's like, well, I don't know. You've maybe come to California. I don't know. We have to see. And it like kind of sort of blew me off, but yeah. he's just Hickson. He's just elusive like that. Yeah. And so I got home and I tracked down somebody who had his contact information. I was like, begged them to give me his contact information. And, uh, reached out to him, didn't hear anything, but he had another seminar lined up in Halifax. So I was like, fuck it. I'm going to go to Halifax. No so shit. I to Halifax. <laughs> and he came up to me, like, he, you know, he does the thing before a seminar. He walks around, shakes everybody's hand, says, thanks for coming. And he walked up to me and he goes, Scott, right? I go, oh my God. <laughs> New high water mark. All right. <laughs> so, he remembered my name. <laughs> and so, um, after that, he he responded to an email. He sent me his phone number. He's like, just give me a call. And I was like, oh god. So I called him, and we and we started setting up these these trips. And Jason and I would fly out to L.A. and uh, we'd spend a, a weekend training with him, doing private lessons. Wow. Over the course of the weekend, then COVID hit. Then uh, you know I I went out a couple more times on my own, and then he started filming stuff. And I and he and I was happened to be in town. And he was like, come, you know, I use you. And so the last few times I've been out, I've been doing doing those. That's awesome, man. So that's the long, long. <laughs> that is a cool story, though. It's kind of wild, right? You know, I, I think it's one of those things, like like you said, in the in the Fight Club, standing outside the door for you know for three days before you're allowed in. I, you gotta admire somebody that is just that tenacious. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, you're like, okay, I like, I love to come train with you, and, and you flew to Canada, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just to get some FaceTime with him. Yeah. I mean, and and obviously do the seminar, but dude. I don't know, man. You got to appreciate that as a, as a, as a, as a, as a coach, as a teacher, as anything, you know, somebody going out of their way that way, that's a connection. You know what I mean? That's really cool. Yeah. I don't, I hope so. I mean, I feel like he's Hicks and I'm sure people do that stuff for him all the time. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> but he remembered your name. That's pretty funny. No, I was pretty, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> 
So yeah, man. So so um so I, I don't want to let too much out of the bag, but I, I'm I'm very curious about the um, the, the the Chris Howder book. When when, yeah. does it, when does that come out? So we are we're about let's call it eighty five percent of the way done with the first draft. Okay, and <clears throat> basically there it's written in three parts and um excuse me mm-hmm. the um Chris and I both pretty happy with part one right now Chris has part two and he's um, going back through it because the way it's written um I, I don't want to give too much away about the structure yeah. but the, there's a there's there's a lot of uh, of stuff sort of that he wants to edit and and add to and tweak in part two mm. and so he's in the process of doing that while I'm writing part three um, and I'm let's call it halfway 60% of the way through part three and yeah. part three is going to be part part two is the definitely the longest part of the book. Um, so part three is not going to take as long to finish. Um, mm-hmm. And so once I'm done with part three, I think probably we'll do a swap. He'll get part three. I'll get part two. I'll yeah. look through what he's written. And once he's done with part three, we'll have, we'll have a pretty good draft one. I'll go back through it, clean it up, you know, whatever needs to happen, tweaking it will happen. And, um, and then, so that process, I mean, that process can take anywhere from, I don't know, one to six months. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're hoping to have it out by the end of this year is the plan. Oh, so okay. So pretty aggressive timeline. That is and, pretty aggressive. Um, depending, on, depending on what kind of shape part two is in when he gets it back to me, that's more or less realistic. But um, yeah, the, the hope is to have it out by the end of this year. Okay. And he's he's looking to do some kind of cool stuff. Like so one of the things we're gonna try to do is, you know, it'll be available in paperback, it'll be available in hardcover, it'll be available in ebook. We're looking at doing an audio book. That's what I was gonna ask you next, the, the audio side. The audio side is gonna yeah. I um we're, right now we're looking at me doing it because Chris is uh a little nervous about reading it. Um, oh yeah, I can see that. Yeah. But um also looking at doing, he wants to do like limited edition hardcover oh. where he'll do, um, he'll add art and he'll add different pieces. I'll buy it right it. now. Yeah, it's going to be cool. I would buy that right now. So it's going to be. I don't even know what's in the book. I'd yeah. buy it right now. Yeah. <laughs> it should be really neat. He, those, will, those will end up being available directly from uh, combatbase.com. Yeah. Um, and then everything else will probably be kind of same as Richard and Drysdale and, and these other through Amazon. Um, but yeah, it should be a really interesting book. It's going to be. Uh, Big. It's yeah, gonna, it's gonna be a big book. And with all the stuff that he does, because he, you know, he's an artist, he's a martial artist. He, you know, he. I don't know if he writes poetry, but I bet he does. Um, but how do you decide how, how much? Okay, so let's just say you're 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 at you know three thousand pages or whatever. Yeah, how, it's not that bad. <laughs> uh, how much of the book um, actually doesn't make the cut? Like when you're editing, how much? How typically, right? Do you have a sweet spot? Like you like to hit two hundred and seventy-five pages, three hundred pages ish. Or do you have no limit? You just go. So, for for me, if I, okay, if I'm writing a novel, I think two hundred and twenty to two hundred and fifty is, I I really like that size of a story. Yeah, um, that's me personally. I know that there are people who love. Uh, like Game of Thrones was very popular yeah. and people love just getting immersed in a big world and they don't want that world to end. They yeah. want to just keep having more pages. Yeah. Um, for me, I, I like, a, like, and I feel the same way about like a six episode miniseries is the perfect length of a miniseries for me. Yeah. Um, so that's the size of kind of my storytelling, I don't know, sweet spot. But in terms of nonfiction or in terms of, you know, something like Chris's book, the, the story itself is going to dictate its, its, its length. Right. It's kind of like, um, I don't know. It's like, if you, that's a stupid metaphor. (laughs) 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 Um, but like, well, I used to say like, there are, there are ideas that are like poem sized ideas. There are ideas that are short story sized ideas. There are stories, that are novella sized ideas or stories that are novel sized ideas. And so, you know, you can tell when somebody doesn't have, there's not enough content in this idea itself 
to make a novel. Gotcha. Or yeah. there's too much content in this short story. It needs, I have more questions. I, this needs to be longer. This yeah. needs to be a novella. It needs to be a novel. Yeah. Um, and so there's, there's sort of a net, like it's like every plant sort of grows to its natural right size. Yeah. And so with Chris's book, I, I, the interesting thing about it is it, it is, it is by far the longest thing I've ever worked on, but it still feels very concise to me mm. and it still feels very intelligible to me. Um, and the, the narrative threads that we're, we're working with, I, they're, they're very trackable, even though there are, they are disparate and even though they are involving several different characters, um, I don't feel like it, it, to me, it's almost like it's a big, big book that reads like a small book yeah. at this point. Yeah. And I'm, I'm hoping that, I mean, I think one of the things that people have consistently said about like Richard's book and with John's book and, and even Kip's book about the patent system, which has the potential to be very dry. Yeah. I, I think I, I, I'm, I, I've gotten pretty good at, at writing stuff that moves along and moves you forward and doesn't spend a lot of time just talking about the color of the paint on the wall yeah. and describing, I, I don't spend a lot of time with that. Efficiency is, is my real uh, sort of watchword. And so yeah. even, you know, I think if the book ends up being 800, 900 pages, there, there are theoretically 800, 900 pages that are going to move quickly, but they're also, you're not going to go, well, Oh, you could have cut those 20. Those 20 didn't have anything mm. to do with anything. I, I'm not spending a lot of time, with I'm not trying to fill pages by right, any stretch. Right, yeah. I'm trying to, if anything, I'm trying to make it shorter. There's just certain stuff that has to happen. Yeah, yeah. And you know, you you talk about um, being being efficient and basically getting to the point, right? Yep. And um, where where did that come from? Did you have people that kind of um, that that uh, writers that kind of had the same kind of feel that you liked, or was it something that you developed over time? Well, yeah. I mean, I was obsessed with Hemingway mm. for a long time. Um, and then I got really into, uh, Milan Kundera and I got really into, uh, Kafka and I got really into, um, uh, there's a, there's a, there's a great French writer named George Simenon that I just, that he's hugely popular in France and I didn't know anything about him, but he, he, he's fantastic. But there's, these guys are, are incredibly good at writing just, just, I don't want to say terse, but like mm. it, you know, you get to the point, you say enough to establish an understanding with a, with a reader. And then you build on that understanding immediately. Yeah. I don't just sit here and explain to you something that you already know. Right. You, right. Yeah. It's like, we, we got that point. Okay. This <laughs> move point on. builds on that point. Okay. Yeah. You got that point. This point <clears throat> builds on that point. Yeah. I like that. And so there's a, there's a real formality to the, to the structuring. Um, but I think the, one of the things that I see as being very um, th th that are, that's inextricable in 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 my life is that at the same time that I was focusing so much on writing fiction, I was focusing so much on teaching jujitsu, mm. and so trying to communicate effectively, trying to communicate in a in an efficient way, trying to communicate in a way that is um, intelligible, figuring out what what your where your listener or where your reader or your student is, is how they're seeing the situation, what I need to tell them to change the way they're seeing the situation, yep. what I, what would be a meaningful addition to that understanding. Um, it, it is very, um, it, it, as I was saying before, it's sort of very reader or very student focused. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and that what I'm going to, if I'm going to, ask for your time and attention reading something or listening to something I'm saying, I need to know that it's going to add value. And yeah. the only way I really know what adds value to you is if I spend a lot of time thinking about what you know now or what you think now or mm. where you're at now and how I can bring you along. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like sometimes I think about, um, I, I've described it to people as like, um, what you need to do, you know, you, a lot of times people, they're at the end of their story, right? And yeah. they want to tell their story, but they don't kind of know how to do it. Yeah. And say, so what you have to do is you have to go all the way back to where your reader is 
and take them by the hand yeah, yeah. and walk them through it. Yeah. Um, it was interesting. I had a conversation with a woman one time at a, a like a dinner party thing, and she is in, I believe the field is called education design. Mm. And it's like beyond curriculum design. It's because there was this situation where you had these professors who were incredibly knowledgeable uh, in their field. And then you had students who didn't know anything about the field. Mm. And there was this massive disconnect where the, the professors kind of just were there as this, as this collection of knowledge that was almost inaccessible because there wasn't a, they weren't showing the students the path mm. to their knowledge. Yeah. They were just there. I, here, I have it. Come get it if you want it. Well, right. I don't know how to come get it. Yeah. So be, somebody who's an expert, not as at being ignorant and not at being knowledgeable, but knowing how to build paths in between, yeah. um, and that's I, that's really what I think a lot of a lot of writing is. Yeah, I like what you said about meeting the the reader where they are. Yeah, that's really good. Um, and and I think like the the worth the worth defending book, for for me it was easy because I love jujitsu. Mm -hmm. So if if you could meet me there, everything else is gravy. Teach me the history of it. Teach me about this guy's you know this guy's life and how yeah. it affected him because there's parallels, right? But you could take that book and just about anybody, jujitsu or not, you could get something out of that book. Because it'll meet you where you are. Mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe you you have a you have a, a history that you don't like talking about. So did he. Yeah. Right. Maybe maybe someone came along and gave you that little nugget of, of knowledge that you needed. So did he. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Maybe your life changed because of that over time, and you had trials, and you saw this evolution of this beautiful thing that you were into. So did he. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. It's there's so many parallels, but I love what you said about meeting people where they are because yeah. it's important in teaching. Like you like you said, uh, when you're teaching jujitsu, you got to meet the white belt where he or she is Absolutely. right. And, yeah. and, and build off of that. And like you said, get to that point. Okay. Now we're going to move on. Right. Mm -hmm. And I love that. I love, I'm going to totally steal that from oh, you. But. It's all yours. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, tell me what's in the future for you. I know we, we, we talked about Chris's book, but what else is going on? What other projects are you working on? Um, got Chris's book. Chris's book is, is a big thing. Also very excited about, uh, just launched black market kimono. Yes. Yes. Um, oh no, yeah. I'll show you this. Like, uh, check that out. That's a whole gi right there. Wow. So this weighs like a pound. Yeah. Lightweight rip stop. May I open it? Open it up. Awesome. That's my whole A2 gi. Um, so this is all rip stop. Yeah. Wow. 10 ounce rip stop dries fast, packs down small. So this is, uh, this is basically for guys like you travelers. Yeah. Yeah. People yeah. on the road. I'm also, you know, guys who got to travel for business. Yeah. Got, like, you, everybody's charging you for carry-ons. Everybody's charging you for everything <laughs> at this point. If you need yeah. to throw a gi in your personal item, I mean, this this thing will. Um, so this is I got I got this A2 in a uh, in a medium-sized packing cubes. We're also looking at producing packing cubes to go with these. Oh, nice! They'll be available very soon. So check out blackmarketkimonos.com if you are a BJJ nomad or BJJ road warrior. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, we were talking about this out. earlier, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I, I used to get made fun of when I'd go on business trips because I had a giant suitcase for a three-day trip. This would have packed up really yeah. nice, man. And you said it dries quick too? Totally. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah, it dries out fast. Beautiful, man. Yeah, man. Like we we uh, we flew out to Sedona <laughs> on like a day's notice and didn't want to, you know, they charge you for everything. So yeah. It's like this, this went in my, like, my girlfriend got this little bag. It's like exactly the specifications of what a personal item is. <laughs> right. It's like got this, two changes of clothes, toiletries, my belt. It all like perfect. Able to, yeah, no extra fees. <laughs> I love it. I love it, man. Well, listen, uh, let everybody know how uh, how they can get in touch with you. Uh, obviously, uh, blackmarketkimonos.com, Yep. Right. But how else can people find you and and learn about you and and look at your the the books that you put out? So you can find. My jujitsu website is enclavejujitsu.com, E-N-C-L-A-V-E, jujitsu.com. I'm also on all social media or Instagram, Facebook, YouTube at Enclave Jujitsu. Um, I also have a, a website for my writing, um, scottburrauthor.com. Yep. And um, I also have like a website that's sort of a because I did a few other things. So there's one called someguyfromohio.com. <laughs> <laughs> this is almost just a link tree. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And uh, check out Black Market Kimonos, at Black Market Kimonos on social media. Um, yeah, man. Yeah. So, all that stuff. Awesome, man. And, and yeah, um, I'm, I'm available for 
drive into your location, <laughs> fly into your location, seminars so, and classes and whatever. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I would love that. Um, yeah, we were we were we were talking about we 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 were exchanging text messages, and you had said that you were gonna be in California. You were gonna make a stop in Joshua Tree. I didn't know you were camping there. Yeah, and then you <laughs> drove straight out here to be on the show. Yeah, dude, thank you so much for doing that. It's I absolutely my pleasure. Yeah, man, I appreciate. It. And I've got autographed books. And I don't know if you've got one, but please um, uh, support. Um, you know, support uh, Scott and his endeavors, um, and you can get a lot out of these books, man. Worth defending. I can't wait to get into opening the closed guard, but I promise. Really cool book. I promised I wouldn't open that book until I finished my other one. There's so <laughs> many unread books in this house, yeah. or half-read books in this house. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get to it, but, uh, but uh, it gives me a little incentive, right? That project, that was a really cool project to get to be a part of. That, yeah, I mean, yeah. There's a ton of fascinating information in that book. Awesome, man. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Well, listen, um, I would love to do this again once the uh, Howder book comes out. Oh, and uh, I, w- I won't make you drive all the way out here. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully I'll just be out here. Yeah. That would be awesome. Yeah, coming any- back from L.A. again or something. Anytime you're coming back from L.A., I'd love to have you in, man. It, maybe get awesome. some training sessions in. All right, guys, if you love the podcast, please like and subscribe. Uh, give us a review on Spotify and everywhere else. Um, yeah, everywhere else you can find. Uh, um, follow us on Instagram. And don't look at our website because it sucks right now. We're working on it. But thank you, guys. Scott, thank you again, brother. Thank you, man. Awesome.